The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Scary Parish. Welcome back. CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Camel fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davis. Even if you're not watching live on YouTube, just watching on YouTube at any point, uh, smash the like button. You, you have consent. In previous years, you might remember, leading into the NBA draft, uh, we dedicated short episodes of the Island College Basketball Podcast to some of the top-tier prospects available in many cases, guys, Norlander and I have been watching and writing about and talking about uh, for years since they were very uh, young players in, in high school. This year, we're planning to, to do the same leading up to the 2022 NBA draft, which is scheduled uh, for June 23rd. So like uh, a, a month from today, uh, the, the NBA draft will be here. And uh, so we'll start uh, this series of, of episodes dedicated to prospects uh, with uh, the guy I think should be the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft, and that's Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren. So, Deadleg, let's let's start here. Um, the Orlando Magic have the number one pick in the draft. Do you agree or disagree that they should select Chet Holmgren? Great to be with you again, buddy. Um, as we are one month out, for transparency's sake right now, I don't have a definitive opinion on it but my guess my guess right now on may 23 is they will not take holmgren um not saying that's you know highly unlikely but and kyle boone and i are working up a piece that'll go up either later this week on cvsports.com or early next week about how this year's draft and the decision with who to take at number one uh, is as interesting and compelling as maybe any draft we've had in 10 to 20 years because normally and who knows? Maybe we get to three weeks from now, GP. And when we're talking about the magic with the number one pick, uh, you know, uh, the belief really centers in on Holmgren's going to be the guy Orlando takes. Or it's going to be Holmgren or Jabari, right? And we still have a little of that. But there's still a case to be made for Jabari Smith, Paulo Bancaro. And, uh, you know, Boone still has Ivy number one. And we'll do a Jaden Ivy episode as well. He seems unlikely. But I did, again, have someone remind me it, it's not unthinkable and reminded me in the past 72 hours. It's not unthinkable that, like, Jaden Ivy becomes the number one pick, which is wild. But let's focus on Chad Holmgren. Um, he is unique. I, I did... I, I did a long piece. Paris, you know, he's, he's taken four or five, you know, sittings to try and get through this thing. But in the middle of the season, I did kind of the definitive profile on Chet Holmgren. And there's no doubt about his work ethic. There's no doubt about his dedication to the game. Um, but there is definitely disagreement right now about Chet Holmgren and what he will be when he's in the NBA. 
if you draft Chet GP, you could be getting a franchise changing player who ultimately makes the Hall of Fame. If you draft him, you could also be getting, you know, an inconsistent physical specimen who winds up not being as good of an NBA player as five to 10 other guys taken somewhere in the, you know, top 10 to 15 picks. The frame is what has people concerned. He's seven one and he's still like 27 home cooked Italian meals from cracking 200 pounds. Like that is by far the biggest concern is will the frame be able to hold up? And I had one of two NBA people in the middle of the season tell me, is it, is he the opposite end of Zion? Because when Zion was coming out, he was under, he was, he had arguably the best one and done season ever. He was the pick. He was the guy. John Morant was not there for the number one discussion. It was Zion. Then it was everyone else right now. It's more like a, Hmm, but at the time it was Zion. But the only thing that was attached to Zion, a negative connotation was how much he weighed and how he would hold that weight or lose that weight. And it would be, would it be an issue in the NBA? Turns out that's exactly what happened. And now we look and we say, well, if you could do this all over again, go check Zion's numbers. They're still awesome. But if you could do it all over again right now, would you rather have Zion or would you have, rather have John Moran? It's a really compelling debate. With Holmgren, it's the opposite. You know, he looks like a waif, but he's tough as hell. He doesn't get hurt, Parrish. But it still looks like he could snap like a wafer cookie. It just doesn't happen. That said, the jump GP and physicality, the next level, it's going to be immense. Will his body be able to handle it long term? If he doesn't go number one, that's going to be one of the reasons. Might not be the only reason, but if you can, if if general managers could be assured that, yeah, you know what, Chet's going to get to two twenty five, even two twenty five eventually, and it's going to be muscle. I think he'd probably go number one over everyone, but there's no guarantee that he's ever going to be much more than what he is from a frame perspective, and that's why there is a debate for number one. I got to assume he gets to 225. I mean, what 18, 19 year old doesn't add 20 pounds at some point in their life? I think he's 190 now, so he's got to get to 35 pounds and most of it muscle. I think he might be able to get there. He just hasn't. And there was some growth on his frame this past season at Gonzaga. I think so. But, you know, I'm already but, saying what you know, but I'm just trying to yeah. kind of bring in the listeners at the NBA level. Will Chet Holmgren fill out? Does he need to fill out? He probably does because last thing and then take it away. He's not Durant in so many ways. Durant's still skinning. Durant's one of the 10 best players in NBA history. But Chet Holmgren will be taken number one for different reasons than Durant. A lot of it will be Holmgren's defense. Yes, offense, he can shoot the three. He can step out, shoot, no doubt about it. But he is not the naturally gifted offensive shooter and score that uh, that Durant was. And Durant's not asked to do the same kind of things. Um, so, yeah, the frame is still uh, still a major concern. The number I saw is 195. It could be 190. It could be 195. Players tend to put weight on, muscle on. Uh, between the end of the college season and the actual draft, you can notice it sometimes like, oh, wow, he's put on 10 pounds. Um, so, you know, whatever the number is, he's he's very thin. We can all agree on that. I just went and looked it up um, just to see where these other notable tall skinny players were in college. Kevin Durant weighed 215 at Texas. That's what he was listed at. Um, Anthony Davis was listed at 220 at Kentucky. So, yeah, you know, 20, 25 pounds heavier, but like, you know, they were both skinny guys and uh, Anthony Davis has filled out uh, remarkably well. Like he's a big guy now. And what's the other thing with Anthony Davis? He's got one eyebrow. He's always injured. He's always injured. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's that's some that's some of why those concerns are up. Um, so Holmgren, just to put some numbers on it, seven foot, seven foot one center with a seven five ish wingspan. He averaged 14.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, 3.7 blocks 
in 26.9 minutes per game for the Zags this past season. Shot 60.7% from the field, 39% from three, 71.7% from the free throw line. Um, when I say I think he should be the number one pick in the draft, I, you know, I don't feel strongly about it. Like I'm, 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 I'm open. This is not one of those deals where, oh, if you don't think Chet Holmgren should be the number one pick, you're crazy. Like I, that's who I think I would pick first. I'm not like tied to it forever. Um, Jabari Smith is an obvious, reasonable option. Paulo Bencaro, an obvious, reasonable option. But I, I think I would go with Holmgren if only because I believe he's got the most potential. Like the if he becomes the best version of himself, the highest ceiling, then he's a better player eventually than anybody else in this class, I think. Um, but he's also, uh, you know, among the top tier can, uh, candidates to go number one, He's also the most polarizing. Like, I don't see mm-hmm. any scenario where Jabari Smith is not a very good NBA player. Hard, like, to, hard to envision that. Yes. I mean, he's a 6'10 athlete who can switch on defense and reliably make jump shots. I mean, that guy will be in the league forever, barring injuries. The only question with him, and we will have an episode with him. We'll have a Paulo Bencaro episode. But the question with Jabari Smith is, like, will he be great? It's not will he be very good for a long time because they're, they're, 6'10 athlete, can switch on defense and make shots. I mean, what, what do you what do you want? And I, I'll be shocked if if Paulo Bencaro isn't very good. Um, you know, for reasons we'll discuss on a later episode. Chet is the one. Like I, I think highest upside, but also, you know, mo- of these guys, most likely to maybe make you look ridiculous for picking him number one if it if it doesn't work out. Like when I've talked to NBA people, say over the past you know, a few weeks, I've literally had two guys, two different guys who work in front offices say these things. And they're both like smart guys who I respect. Otherwise I wouldn't even be talking to them. One guy said, are you, aren't you worried that he could just get played off the floor? Like, you know, playoff basketball just gets played off the floor. Cause he, you know, they'll put him in ball screens. He can't guard in space very well. He could, he held his own at Gonzaga, but aren't you worried about spending the number one pick on a guy who could get played off the floor? That's what one front office person asked him. Another guy said, I think he can be the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You, that's how polarizing he is as a prospect. One front office member is worried about him getting played off the floor, and another front office member thinks he could be the NBA's defensive player of the year someday. That's what we're dealing with. The defense is undeniably good from a shot blocking perspective. He's not just a natural shot blocker. But his weak side recovery is without debate the best of any in this class and one of the best pass of the decade plus. He can make up for space, and obviously it's because of his damn height and his length, obviously. But he has good instincts with it, too. So, yes, uh, when it comes to ball screen drop coverage, he's not the best. He's not as good as as Jabari Smith, without a doubt. But from a defensive uh, rim protection standpoint, he understands spacing pretty well, and he has really good instincts for where he needs to get to go. I think that there's a good shot he averages north of three blocks every single season. He's in the he's in the NBA. That's but 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 you brought up his overall stats. I will bring up his splits. All right, 
So here are his splits against the best competition, really good competition, and the rest of the, his entire everything, all of it, good, bad, everything, okay? So here's Holmgren, his one and only season at Gonzaga, Tier A games. This is per Ken Palm. He played 14 Tier A opponents, all right? Shot 25.6% from three-point range. Shot 70.5% from two. Had 11.6 points per game. 10.1 rebounds and 3.5 blocks. That's against the best competition. 25.6 from three. When you add in tier B opponents, it's just two more games total. So 16 out of his 32 games came against good competition. Good to great. In tier A and tier B, he was a 30% three-point shooter. So a little bit up. 71.6 from two-point range, which again was outrageous. But the dude's, what do you, what do you want? He's playing in college. He's 7-1. That's, that's not to be unexpected, that good of a two-point percentage. His average goes to 12.3 points on average. His rebounds actually dip down to 9.9. His blocks go up to 3.7. All games combined, 39% from three, 73.7 from two, 14.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, 3.7 blocks. So quite clearly, as normally is the case, yes, when he played worse competition, his numbers were better. But against Tier A, 14 out of 32 games, you know, 45% of the schedule, he did, he did, you know, have a dip in uh, efficiency and production. Not drastic, but enough where that will also be looked at there. So from a defensive standpoint, Yes, the shot blocking is undeniable from an offensive standpoint. He's not, he doesn't have a ton of burst, but he can also, like what he can do that, and this might only present itself two, three times a game, but it's, it's still tremendously valid. Like Chad Holmgren has the ability to grab a rebound on the defensive end, take it, handle it, go up the floor and transition and pull up from three and cash it or take it right to the rim. And he's 7-1. Like, there's oh, there's very little defending that. And that skill set is something that Bancaro and uh, and Smith can't match. Obviously, Ivy absolutely can. He does it twice as good as the other two. Uh, but it's, it, it's going to be interesting, man. He does, to your point, Holmgren has the capacity to make a GM's career or ultimately get them canned whether you pick him or you don't, people are afraid to take him just as much as they're afraid not to take him. Because if Orlando with the one spot, if they don't take him, let's just say Orlando takes Jabari Smith. OKC's okay, so got the two. They take Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren becomes a Hall of Fame player and plays with the Thunder for 14 years. And Jabari Smith is purely just he's a good player. You know, he makes four all-star games, whereas Holmgren makes the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's going to look terrible in retrospect. But right now, in the here and now, like I want the I want the I want it all on the record with Holmgren now because Year from now, two years from now, five years from now is going to be a lot of, uh, I think, revisionist history. But right here, you and I both know, like he's going to get, get picked high, but there is a split of opinion whether he really should be going ahead of Bancaro or Jabari. And some are even making the case that he should go behind Jaden Ivey. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, you know, you point out you know, some of the offensive skills. I, I would um, I, I would argue that that Paulo can get it and go, you know, the he way can. that yeah, yeah. that that Jet can. Yeah. Um, but 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 your your central point is 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 accurate. Like you know, Chet Holmgren can take the ball off the rim and and go by himself. Um, he he did that plenty of times at Gonzaga. You know he can bounce it, shoot it, pass it, use ball screens to play make. Um, really skilled, uniquely skilled guy um, for somebody his size at that age. Um, when people say he's among the most unique prospects we've ever seen, I, I don't think that's uh, hyperbolic. He, he is really unique. Now, don't get words confused. Unique doesn't mean best. It just means unique. Like, we don't see things like this too often. His um, performances against top-shelf competition is notable. Um, I, I went and broke it down a different way. I just sort of, you know, pulled games against non-league power conference opponents. You know, because Gonzaga played... Texas Tech, Alabama, Duke, UCLA, Texas, Memphis, Arkansas. On the season, Chet averaged 14.1 points, 9.9 rebounds. And against those seven schools, Arkansas, Memphis, Texas, UCLA, Duke, Alabama, Texas Tech, he never had a 14-9 game. Not once. Not like once. Not, now, he had some good games. Like against UCLA, he had 15-6, and six, uh, 15.6 rebounds, four blocks. Against Duke, he had... 16.7 rebounds, three blocks, um, you know, against, but against Memphis, he was just nine and nine against Arkansas, 11 and 14 fouled out against Memphis and against Arkansas. So yeah. when he played more athletic teams, like he well, tended, the, the, but the foul out against Arkansas was a complete joke, which is another, that's thing. true. Yes. There were some horrific calls, but like, this is a fact when he played, um, Athletic, like you know, Memphis had athletes. Arkansas had athletes, and when he re he fouled out of both those games, let's just leave it factual. He fouled out of both those games, so that that does concern me uh, to some degree. Um, what you'll find out when you really dive into any of these prospects at the top is you're going to see some stuff you love, and then you're going to see some stuff that makes you skeptical. They should really be the number one pick in the draft, and that's going to go uh, with Jabari Smith. Because, like, you know, is he ever going to be a real playmaker shot creator uh, with Paulo? Like, is he ever going to be um, good enough defensively? Um, and, and with Chet, it is just like, how does this stuff translate? And, um, you know, the, the fact that centers do get played off the floor, uh, you know, often. Now, I, I, I – you know, you get in conversations with some people and they're like, you can't take a center first overall. That's like taking a running back in the top 10. And I, I just don't believe that because um, it traditional bigs can get played off the floor, but like awesome bigs are still awesome. The reigning MVP is a center. The runner up to the reigning MVP was a center. So awesome centers are still awesome. Um, and, and what you're hoping if you spend the first pick or, you know, any top three pick on Chet Holmgren, you're, you're, hoping that he's awesome. I guess I'd bottom line it this way. This is where I'm at on Holmgren. And this is a point I've made before. And sometimes it gets misconstrued or twisted up into something I'm not actually saying because I use these two names and then people start making a point that I didn't make. Chet Holmgren is not like Luka Doncic. I'm not comparing them as players. They're obviously very different players. But what I remember about Luka heading into that draft was that everything you needed to see was there. 
Everything you needed to see was there. He was a dominant player in the second best professional basketball league in this world. He was consistently doing things that nobody his age had ever done in that league. And you would hear about these unprecedented things. Uh, it felt like every few weeks. It'd be like, Luka Doncic is the first blah, 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 blah to do this, blah, 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 blah. Luka Doncic just became the first blah, blah, blah to do this. But it was all there. And some people, including myself, I'll cop to this, I was wrong. Uh, because anybody who didn't have Luka Doncic going first in that draft was ultimately wrong. And I, so, like, I'm in, that, I'm in that category. What happened is a lot of people, myself included, plus the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings, started obsessing about perceived shortcomings rather than focusing on the stuff that's right there in front of you. And so you start asking questions like, okay, but how is he going to do this against six, six athletes in the NBA? Is he athletic enough to get his shot off in the NBA? Is he going to be able to create these opportunities in the NBA? Uh, does it look like he's got an NBA body? So on and so forth. Rather than just focusing on we've, we've been, we've been watching this stuff for a long time. We've never seen anybody do what he's doing from a production standpoint. Rather than just just center in on that and, and just and leave it there, it was like, but, but, but. And then he got to the NBA and answered all of those questions very quickly. Oh, is he going to be able to get his shot against NBA defenders? Yes, whenever he wants. Oh, is he going to be able to get by NBA athletes? Yes, every possession. Everything you saw him do in Europe, he did in the NBA almost immediately. And you look back now and you go, God, how did I miss it? You missed it because you were obsessing about perceived shortcomings. And that's what I mean when I bring up Chet Holmgren's name connected to Luka Doncic. You can do a Twitter search for ESPN stats and info and Chet Holmgren and like things pop up like Chet Holmgren is the first player over the last 25 seasons with 10 points, 10 rebounds, five assists and five block shots in his division one debut. You know, Chet Holmgren, um, just had a 15.15 rebound, five assists, five block game this season. It's his second one of the season. Everybody else in Division One combined for zero. Nobody else did this thing that he did twice. Literally doing unprecedented things at the collegiate level, things we've never seen or haven't seen in a long time. Do you focus on that or do you get caught up on the physical, uh, you know, the frame? the physical possible, do you obsess about the perceived shortcomings or do you just focus on, my God, this guy came to college basketball as the number one recruit in the country, played for a team that was a one seed in the NCAA tournament, was a fabulous college basketball player and literally did things we've never seen before or haven't seen in a long time. Can you just stay focused on that without getting distracted by the other stuff? And to be clear, I'm not saying the other stuff isn't real. I'm just saying if he turns into a star, and you were skeptical, you will be doing to him the same thing a lot of people did to Luka Doncic. My last uh, selling point on Chad, if you're going to consider taking him number one, uh, this doesn't mean everything, but it's certainly something. Uh, to me, and this is based off of what I know of having covered the player, talked to his coaching staff, going back to when he was a prospect, and I'm including every other prospect that's in the conversation to go in the top five, six, seven picks, okay? 
he is the most basketball obsessed. He loves and lives the game more than any other prospect here. That's not to say that Paulo Bancaro doesn't love and isn't obsessed with basketball. I'm just telling you, Chet Holmgren lives and dies with the game. All right. He also is one of these guys who wants to be criticized and coached to a level that is truly rare. It was never good enough for him at Gonzaga. No matter how good of a game he played, he wanted to be back in the gym immediately. And by immediately, they play a home game. He wants to be back out there running a full sweat practice 60 minutes later. And it got to the point where the coaches had to be like, Chet, you need rest. You cannot do this to yourself. He never wanted to be told that he uh, was a potential number one pick. None of that stuff. And also, when we talk about his production, let's remember he had Drew Timmy, one of the five or so best players in the country on his team. So it did impact his numbers. That's certainly context that will be uh, taken into account significantly with the Magic and any other team that's considering him taking in one, two, three overall. But... um, he his dedication to the game will not be in question. And if you're considering and taking him at number one and taking all the pros and all the cons with it, uh, sometimes occasionally you might get, you know, scouts or front office people might tell you, you know, we're debating on guy A, B and C. And man, we really like guy B. But man, guy A, there's just like we know that if we draft him, we feel like we're just never going to have to worry about him kind of deal. Holmgren's got a lot of that in him. And I wonder if that might not ultimately be the thing that uh, that clinches it. If he goes number one, again, I'm not convinced he's actually going to go number one. He clearly deserves to be in the conversation. I think, and I'll kind of mention this on on our, our top four guys we're going to go with. To me, Holmgren's spectrum, he can go as high as one. I can actually see him. I'm not, I don't think it'll happen. I can see him dropping as low as four. It will be, you will be outraged if he drops to four. But if we get this weird deal here where Ivy truly upsets the apple cart, um, and then, uh, you know, OKC just doesn't, for whatever reason, Cresty doesn't want to take a, a chance on him. We're going to go with a, a sure thing, and it's Smith or Bancaro there. I think Holmgren, because he is so polarizing, uh, he can go as high as one or as low as four, uh, but I would certainly bank on him going one or two because that seems the most likely outcome. So right now, most people... And, and I, I look, I acknowledge that Jaden Ivey is in this conversation to some degree. Most people are calling it a three player deal. I've heard some even say it's really two uh, Chet Holmgren and, and, and Jabari Smith and, and, and Paulo in the, the next group. But either way, um, this r- reminds me, in, in fact, it might be even more wide open than at least the perception of it being wide open. Like Orlando probably already knows what it's going to do. But yeah, I mean, you would think. You would think have... at this point, Orlando probably knows. Now they're still going to do the allegiance next. Of course, of right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But but like from from how about this? From my perspective, I don't remember many drafts where I could reasonably talk myself into at least three different players going first overall. Uh, I I know a few years ago you had the Lamelo Ball Anthony Edwards um, debate. I was on the LaMelo ball side of that. And I was not. And I, you know, Anthony Edwards is terrific, but yeah, I think no, the, I've, been, I've been more wrong on that, by the way, not a please resist, but uh, not a doesn't probably even notice. I was, I was the biggest seller on LaMelo ball in all of basketball media without a doubt. I sold harder than anyone. Yes. I was the biggest believer. You probably were. Yeah. We were definitely opposite. I'm losing that one. Yeah. Like Anthony Edwards has been great, but like, if you do that draft again, LaMelo ball is going to, is going first overall. Is he? I think so. I don't know. 
I think Edward still might go number one. Right now, if you do that again, I think that's LeBron. coming on. No, Anthony Edwards is terrific. I still think LaBelle Ball. Nada, turn your mic on. Because he sees he sees LaMelo Ball every day. Is it is it is it um inarguable that that uh, that LaMelo Ball would go number one if we did redid that draft, or is or could you actually debate it? You it's it's more debatable than I think I would be comfortable saying. I, I think Anthony Edwards still goes one, but it's one of those it's Barely, because I think what Anthony Edwards did scoring-wise this year was such a big thing and not being a defensive liability. LaMelo still has that issue defensively where he's not as good on ball. All right. right. Maybe. Okay. Like, uh, okay. So clearly That's one, fair. two, because I'm going to go to the top 10 right now. And some of these guys could grow into awesome players. This is only 2020 and November like, 2020 at that. Edwards, yeah, like J- James, James Wiseman's never played. James Wiseman. <laughs> LaMelo, Patrick Williams. Isaac Okoro, Onyeka Okonwu, Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin. Who's had some moments? Denny Avdia, Jalen Smith. That was the top 10 there. Now, some of the guys will grow in. It hasn't been that long. But right off the jump, it's been Edwards, Ball, draw a line before you get to other guys in the top 10 who have made an impact. Yeah, so that one, um, that was debatable then. I guess it's still debatable now. Um, I, I feel like this this draft is really debatable. Like, I, it is not crazy to think one of at least three and maybe four players could go number one. And that makes it a, uh, a a unique draft relative to say 2003 LeBron, 2012 AD, 2015 Carl Anthony Towns. This one is, uh, you know, it didn't matter who got the number one pick in those drafts. Uh, those players were being selected first. This one, um, you know, the guy Orlando would take first might be different than the guy Oklahoma City would take first, might be different than the guy Houston would take first, might be different than the guy some other franchise would take first. And we'll get to most of these prospects um, in the coming days and weeks. In fact, a Paulo Bencaro episode and a Jabari Smith episode coming later uh, this week. So, um, and and we're going to plan to do uh, perhaps a couple of them each week. Uh, in the coming weeks leading into the 2022 NBA draft, which again is is scheduled for June 23rd. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the, you know what it is. You should know by now. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. At Apple Podcasts, you're going to, Want to leave a nice review because there's more of us than there are of them. Like I said, we've got a Jabari Smith episode coming up, a Paolo Bencaro episode coming up. So be on the lookout for those. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.